Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It is time for Around the 412 with Smitty and Tyler. Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I am Tyler. With me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. Be sure to go follow us on all of our social medias at Around the 412. And while you're there, go check out our pin tweet where you can see we have our year six of Rocking Around the 412 as our pin tweet on X, or I guess I should say pin post. We're still trying to figure out the wording for that. Yeah. And if not, it's also, if you're not on social media, you can also check it out wherever you're listening to the show, whether that's YouTube or or in the listening platforms. In the description, we have the links to this uh, this GoFundMe as well. Year 6, Rock Around the 412, over the past five years, we've been able to raise over $25,000 with the help of all of you. Um, and then we were able to provide Christmas for children in our local 724 and 412 area codes. Um, Smitty and I never really had to worry about where Christmas was coming from growing up. And so over these past several years, we wanted to have this mission to be able to provide Christmas for these kids that aren't as fortunate as we were growing up. So if you want to read about that mission, go check that out. Like I said, it's our pin post on X and it's also in the links. Uh, the link is in the description of each of these shows as well as the everything custom design links. We've got an Etsy link and a Facebook link. Our friend Haley Wagner, it's almost Halloween time. It's getting closer and closer. So you can get a customized trick or treat bag for your kids. She also does customized clothing, whether it's t-shirts, hoodies, stuff like that. Uh, you can also get a customized kitchen apron. Um, Thanksgiving is rolling around the corner right after Halloween. So there's all sorts of stuff that Haley Wagner can be able to do. My mom has even bought stuff from Haley. So go mm-hmm. check that link out. Um, as long as you don't want a hat, you, she can get you covered. Yep. Anything but a hat, pretty much. Um, but if you do want a trick or treat bag, I would get on that soon because... 20 yeah, days I mean, we're only a couple weeks a away of, so a lot of different orders for them so i would hurry up and do that um yeah actually too i hope that i can reveal it hopefully in the next episode but kaylee's working on a poster right now for rock around the 412 so okay uh that should be done and i can Sweet. put that up and show you guys what that looks like but uh like we said we know we're gonna do the penguin tickets we know we're gonna do an eric carlson jersey um you know, maybe people after watching that home opener not as excited about those two prizes at the time <laughs> being but uh you know, um, but things are going to get better, I think. We'll talk about that uh, in the Penguin show, though. This is the Steelers show, so let's dive into some Steelers talk. Uh, what a roller coaster season this has been. I mean, literally every single week, it just seems like, you know, we the season's over. Nope, we're back. Season's over. We're back again. Um, I would say that we're kind of on the we're back train at this point in time, beating the Ravens, a division rival at Akershore. Um Late, late heroics from Kenny Pickett to George Pickens. And then, of course, the defense standing tall again. Great in the second half. Kind of just going over everything right now broadly, and then we'll dive into it more. Um, But, uh, yeah, I I think that, again, if you're looking at the Steelers season as a whole and see that they're three and two, the way that we've talked about them on the show, that would be very surprising to you. When you see the point differential, that would be very surprising to you. When you realize that the Steelers have just found a way to do this now for like four seasons playing like this game in and game out, that shouldn't be surprising to you. So basically everybody besides Pittsburgh Steelers fans, you should be shocked that they're three and two right now. Yeah. And what's funny is like, I saw people saying, and it's not just a few people, it's, it's several saying like, this is not sustainable. And even people who are in like bigger media say like, this is not Mm -hmm. sustainable for what the Steelers are doing. And I'm like, if you go back to 2019, the Steelers have pretty much shown that this is sustainable to a certain extent. Like, obviously you want a better offensive production. You want a better offensive performance and you don't want your defense and your special teams to have to carry you every single time. But they've shown that at least when it comes to still having winning seasons uh, or, or not having a losing season, 
it, they can surprise people and it's sustainable to an extent. Obviously, we, you and I don't want it to be that way. We want it to the team to improve. But it is interesting to me because, like, thinking back, we really have had basically the same scenario even before Matt Canada uh, when we had Randy Fickner as well. Um, just basically going back to that first year of, of 2019 where Ben gets out with the elbow injury, and that's the first year where we could really see the regression of the offense. Obviously, with Ben coming out, that's going to have the main effect from that. But then even when Ben came back in 2020, 2021, you had the last year of Randy Frickner and then the first year of Matt Canada. Still, the offensive production was not what it was in like the Killer B area. It was like night and day different. And so then to see what they are now with having Mitch Trubisky start last season and then moving into Kenny Pickett, and now we have year two of Kenny Pickett also under Canada, it, we just have gotten used to – the lack of offensive production. And I feel like the team has also gotten used to it and they must've because they're still finding ways to win games. I mean, if you look at the way the game played out, there's almost no reason the Steelers should have won that game. And I'll be honest, I didn't think that they were going to win the game because I was camping in the Ozark mountains in Arkansas. I didn't watch the game live. I didn't have enough service. Um, I, I tried to watch it. Couldn't happen. So I was able to see the score a little bit on my phone and I saw that eventually, like I was thinking it was in the second quarter, it was 10 to nothing. And I just thought, okay, they're just not going to be able to necessarily keep up, even though that's not a big deficit. Like, I just feel like the offense is not going yeah. to throw the ball. And then I saw eventually that, okay, it, it's at first I saw it was like 10 to five. And I'm like, how the heck did we get to this? And <laughs> then, I, then I realized Miles Killebrew is that dude. Um, but then. The, to have the Steelers come back the way they do, I end up seeing that they win the game. And luckily, I, I'm thankful that the NFL puts out those uh, condensed games on YouTube that's like 40 mm -hmm. minutes long where I can watch the whole thing again. Otherwise, I'd basically be watching a highlight package so I wouldn't actually see like some of the nitty-gritty stuff. But the fact that the Steelers won this game is just basically a testament to what they've been doing for the past five years, essentially. is like their defense is going to keep them above water just enough for the offense to do the the little thing that they can do to the win. bare minimum. Yep. The absolute bare minimum. There's no like that that play, the single play, the Kenny Pickett to George Pickens, that play itself, fantastic. But despite that, the offense did not have a, another good production, even though they won the football game. Like th mm -hmm. this was not a good offensive performance. And there's still a lot to complain about when it comes to the offensive performance. But the fact that they win this game, it's it's almost not surprising anymore that like this is just kind of the way it goes especially in a baltimore pittsburgh game because i feel like yeah. this is just the way it has been for the past several seasons baltimore looks like they're outplaying pittsburgh they're going to have the lead for the majority of the game and then somehow we're going to win the game that's that's kind of the formula that i felt like it's been for the past recent years even though baltimore you could say in way areas outplayed the steelers especially offensively although i will say the Steelers listened to me on my uh, my keys to the game defensively. They won the turnover battle. So when you do that, the Steelers are set up to be able to have success in that where that's the way the defense is going to keep them in the games is when they get those splash plays and those turnovers, including the special teams as well. I can't, I can't forget Miles Killebrew, that block punt for the safety, elite. And he, he I'm sure we're going to talk about him, but there's yeah. several things in this game that were done right the offense is not one of them still, but the fact that they won this game, it's surprising, but at the same time, it's not. You'd rather be complaining about the offense coming off of a win. Everything is just, you know, you'd rather be able to say, okay, here's what they still need to do differently, better, well, but they got a win out of it. Um, when you look at this game, I did think in the second half they were running the ball a bit. I think Jalen Warren was a spark plug for this game. I thought, you know, offensively, he kind of turned the tide. George Pickens, obviously, was George Pickens, too. I, I'm very pleased with the progress he's made in year two. It maybe isn't always going to be there in the box score because of the offense that he plays in. But very clearly, he has taken a year two leap, and I'm excited about what he's going to be able to do with getting Deontay Johnson back on the other side after the bye week. Um but let's let's start with the offense because I feel like there's less of a performance to talk about there from the offense, really just the one big play. Um, that play has been widely talked about within the fan base, and I don't necessarily want to harp on it, but I don't know that 
and again, I, I always feel like I'm talking down to people when I'm trying to like explain something, but I'm absolutely not like there's, I'm sure there's scenarios where people could explain something to me and make me feel like an idiot, but people that are calling it an audible don't know what an audible is. I don't think like anytime that something is changed, doesn't make the play an audible. What they did on that was they saw cover zero, which they installed in practice. Hey, if, if the Ravens give us this look, because they're probably going to like Patrick Peterson even said, Tomlin told us during the week, we're going to see this late if we have a lead because Baltimore is going to be looking like they're going to get desperate. They're trying to take the ball away. Pittsburgh's on the edge of field goal range already at this point. So if they go into straight man, cover zero, no safety help over top, this is the look. It's not like Kenny is like has an option to do something differently there. Like that is what he's supposed to do. That's the one and only thing that's supposed to happen. Supposed to slide the protection to the right. That's what the Randy call is. And then Pickens goes on a go route because of that. It's not like he changed the route separately. That is a built-in hot route, which, by the way, hot route also separate than an audible. It's just one guy's route changing on the play. George Pickens in this scenario. But that's built into the offense already. It's not like Kenny Pickett's going up there and changing a bunch of things, totally changing the play because of what the Ravens showed him. No, he changed it because in practice, along with Matt Canada, who installed this check, they said, this is what we're going to go to if we see cover zero. I'm not saying Matt Canada is some genius for installing a very fundamental check into the offense because this is stuff that happens in high school. But I am saying that if you're trying to give Kenny credit for doing so, I mean, it's Matt Canada, the one that's putting it in there. That's a built-in check within the offense. It's not Kenny doing some rocket scientist stuff because of what the defense showed him. Yeah, I I, I know what you're saying. I, I feel like that is something that – and it's hard to, like, say something like that, like you said, without seeming like you're a jerk or, like, talking down I, to I know, somebody. yeah, I mean, like, it, I, it's, I, it's felt a very awkward I, I felt weird explaining that right now. <laughs> like, yeah, I, like – but it's true because – when you think about an offense, even even when there's uh, better quarterbacks than Kenny Pickett, like even like Hall of Fame quarterbacks, whenever they are audibling, they have to like the rest of the offense has to know what that audible means, and so that's coming from an actual offensive game plan, not just the the quarterback making the decision to audible. Because if it was just the quarterback making that that audible, and it do- wasn't coming from the offensive like coordinator or the offensive scheme itself, then how does anybody else know what to run if the, if he calls that audible? So I feel like that's something that kind of gets overlooked at times. A- again, it's, it's, we're not trying to say like people are dumb, but, but like you just, no, you just I mean, just, yeah, it's, or just you, it is built into the offense for that way for it to happen. I mean, the only time realistically that, 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 quarterbacks are calling their own plays or running their own stuff is like if you have a veteran quarterback like Ben in two minute drills was known for he would call his own plays at times but like even Ben with the the hall of fame career he had if he audible that's coming from the offense because the other players have to know what to do so that play yeah I I saw people and I saw all the reaction to Matt Canada's reaction and that was Mm -hmm. I mean it, it was entertaining uh to to see people freak out about that but i don't really think that's that big of a deal uh and i saw alan's rant about the whole thing yeah if you, if you haven't it, go, go check that out because it's it's pretty entertaining to see you hardly get a word in and alan just basically oh, goes it was like on. it was like 15 yeah. minutes of him it, it was, talking it was, straight it was really great it was very it was very informative even for somebody to me that like consumes so much of this stuff and and likes to think that i know you know, a good bit of the X's and O's and stuff that goes behind the scenes. But that just goes to show, man, like you're talking about one guy um, or just, you know, one little tweak on offense. There's 11 of these guys that have to all do one job in unison. That's what I love about football. It's the ultimate team game. Like these guys Mm -hmm. all had to be on the same page with this. And that's why it's like, I don't even know. Okay. Say that Kenny did audible it or whatever you want to call it and, and change something. And it's like, okay, if a second year quarterback had the wherewithal to do that, if a second-year receiver made the play, if they executed it perfectly, if this offense did everything perfectly, that's a good, you know, indicate like that's a not a bad indictment on the offensive coordinator. That's their coach. Like that's the guy that they would have been practicing with a week. He should get credit for them going out and executing as well. Like, so I, I just I don't know what the negative part about that specific thing would be for Matt Canada. Again, I'm not trying to like 
call him some savant, come to his defense or anything like that. I'm just stating facts here. And that anything that does go well for this offense, he also has a hand in. Like, he's the offensive coordinator. And that that's the problem that people have. Is like, no matter what, they want something to be wrong with Canada, even if it's something that Canada did well in that sense. And I'm not saying, like, that was like all on Canada. Canada, like Kenny made the throw, Pickens yeah. caught the ball, and everything. Like it was, but like it was Canada's offense. It's that's all we're trying to say. And also, like I thought, what Alan was saying too. Um, I keep referencing Alan. If you don't know Alan Saunders, Pittsburgh Sports hey. Now, we say Alan a lot as if everybody just knows who we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Alan Saunders, Pittsburgh Sports Now. Go check out his stuff. Um, go check out uh, Steelers Afternoon Drive with Smitty and Alan as well. Uh, you can go search that on YouTube. But if you listen in the rant, he's like he's talking about how, uh, like Matt Canada also has a job to do in that very moment, like because oh, it's immediately he's got to be thinking about the two point play. It's it's yeah. a it's a it's a, he can't be in the fan perspective like some of those other guys in that booth can because if if they're just like either scouts or offensive analysts that work throughout the week, like they don't have that responsibility, so they can do whatever they want. Canada mm-hmm. and like there's a reason you you see coaches unless it's like a walk-off touchdown or a walk-off field goal or walk-off like fourth fourth down stop or, or essentially essentially like that like you are not going to see coaches react the same way because they're working like they have to they have to be focused about what's going on so like, yeah it, I don't I think it's not a lot of it's not a it got overblown and it's it's a too big of a conversation about that that video of of Matt Canada yeah. in that in that instance but I mean, good, good, good check, Kenny. Uh, I, yeah, no, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, he deserves good credit for, for he, realizing he did the job of the offense and how it was supposed to be run. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of Kenny, four fourth quarter comebacks, five game winning drives, and just seventeen career starts. That see, that's what it. That's what keeps you hanging on, right? As to like why we feel like we don't have an answer yet as to if he is the guy or not, because he could play like trash for fifty plus minutes. But as long as the defense keeps it close, you feel like if they get his football in the hands when it really matters, he's going to give you a late score to win a football game. That's the and annoying that's why part. It's just like, yeah, like <laughs> why we, can't we he need do an it for the other 55 minutes? You, you need an answer on to if this is the guy or not. And he's just he's giving you just enough to keep to keep some hope that he can be. And again, like, can we really definitively know playing within the constraints of a Matt Canada offense? Probably not. But there's a lot of things that have been, you know, Kenny's doing Matt Canada aside that have made me question if he is the guy or not. But then he does something like this, you know, in a big moment making that throw again. That's still him that has to realize the, what the Ravens are in, what the coverage is and change that at the line. Um, so, you know, I, I trust him at the end of games. And it's just so weird because that's typically the last thing or maybe doesn't come along at all for NFL quarterbacks. And he basically came into the league with that ability, that clutch gene. It's just, man, for the first three and a half quarters, are we going to be able to get it to a point where it's going to matter what he does in that last half of the fourth quarter? Yeah, and like you said, it's not all on Kenny. Like, there are definitely things with the the – offense like what Matt Canada is calling and then stuff with his offensive line that there's definitely issues and you can't all put the picture all together whether Kennedy Kenny's the guy or not because of it but at the same time like you said there's things that we have discussed and things that many people have like pointed out this year that, that are concerns much like the the accuracy issues early on which he has seemingly fixed overall yeah, I think I would say uh, yeah. like, like m- for the most part the accuracy is not a, as much of an issue anymore a lot of it is still just some of the decision making on his throws um like who he's throwing it to not whether the ball's accurate or not like should he have made that throw or some of his reads are are should be different and then phantom pressure just seems to be something that he has has to work out of because he makes pressure or he makes himself feel more pressure than he needs to in, mm-hmm. in, in certain moments. I mean, we, we talked about it last week where he spun into a sack that got him injured. And that's because he, he almost did it too early. Did you see the, uh, you were watching, you watched the condensed game. Did you see the he, he one kept where he himself from doing it? He threw it away on third down and they kicked a field goal, but he like almost drifted and spun and then spun back around the other direction and then threw it yeah. away. It's like he reversed what he was doing. He reversed his yeah. mindset. He's like, I can't be doing this. But yeah. that that's something that Kenny has to work through. Because if you're the guy, like you can't be feeling that pressure when it's not there. 
sure, it's on its way, but it's not there yet. You have to be feel comfortable in stepping up in the pocket, not trying to escape it. And I know going even going back to Pitt, a lot of Kenny's best moments were whenever he did get out of that pocket and it was kind of like the backyard football. But this isn't Pitt. This is this is the NFL. You can't be doing that. These edge defenders are just absolute freaks. They're going to catch you. So I don't know. It's it's tough to say. Uh, lo- looking at what we've seen so far from Kenny, like obviously there's some good signs and like that play in itself was a good, good thing to see from Kenny. But overall, there's just things that are still kinks that Kenny could work out despite what's going on all, all around him. Because I understand he might not trust his offensive line in certain spots completely, but sometimes the pressure is made up in his own head and he's trying to escape it when it's not there yet. I think that was a good point about Pitt is because you know, he was just so much better than his competition most games that he was able to get away. I mean, he was a Heisman finalist. Let's just just say he he was a finalist for the best player in college football. Like he was easily he's he's he is Pitts. uh, And uh, shout out to Allen's being brought up a lot on the show. He his senior year at Pitt, he had he led seven clutch like fourth quarter comebacks, um, which is over double than anybody else in Pitt history. He is the ACC all-time touchdown scorer uh, in, in a single season. Like he is, was that dude in college, and yeah. but just because you're that dude in college, like it, there's still huge adjustments. Yeah, so he has tendencies that I think carried over from his time there. He was able to get away with a lot more stuff in his college tenure um, that he's not going to at this level. So we'll see if he can can break that. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what they look like coming out of the bye because the bye week is a great week to do some self-scouting, realize what's worked, what hasn't worked. I mean, if you look back at the Steelers bye last season, obviously came a little bit later than when it did this year. But that point aside, what it really is, is it gives you the opportunity to look at plays that have worked for you, plays that haven't worked for you, maybe double down on some, maybe throw some away. And just this is the time where they're going to make some adjustments. On top of that, getting Deontay Johnson back, like I mentioned earlier, should get James Daniels back at that right guard spot too. And I don't want to diminish the value of getting Presley Harvin back either when you look at what he was able to do, um, you know, after a pretty, what's been a pretty tumultuous tenure so far with the Steelers, pretty up and down, looks great in practice, hasn't really transferred over to games more often than not, but he's been good this year when he's been on the field. So hopefully that hamstring is healthy and he's ready to go. I would say letting go of Brad Wing is a pretty good indication. They feel like he's going to be able to return for this Rams game, but I just feel like Deontay, especially man, has been uh, severely missed. You know, I'm not making excuses for this offense. I don't, I still don't think they're going to be even like a lead average offense. But what he can do, he's a quarterback's best friend, especially when they've also not had Pat Fryermuth. Um, and I just think that he's going to really open up things for George Pickens, who's seen a lot of double teams in the absence of Deontay and still had 200-yard games in that time. So I'm really excited for what those two are going to be able to do together and what they offer to this offense, you know, kind of some explosive down-the-field shots with George, and then you got your underneath safety blanket and Deontay. I think they complement each other well. So I'm excited to see how this offense looks coming out of the bye. I think that we should see a lot of different uh, – I, I will the one thing that I will give the Steelers credit for in terms of their offense. Now, the success of it may not be there. It's It varies as well. But they run pretty much every type of run concept that you can. They don't stick to just one. Now, are they all successful? No. Maybe some of those do get scrapped during the bye. But they run pretty much everything. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they're they're not they're not shying away from anything in the playbook. I feel like this year, they they definitely took the training wheels off. So, I I, I think that that's a that's a good thing you could say about the offense that they will they will try anything. You mentioned Deontay Johnson coming back. I think that's huge for not only George Pickens, like you were mentioning, but just Kenny Pickett. And you mentioned that he's a it's a he's like a quarterback's best friend. I think that someone who has su- suffered from read issues like Kenny has um, is going to like having someone like Deontay come back. The, the, just the ease of being able to get open for a guy and, and knowing that like, if I look this guy's way, he's going to be open for me. Um, you, you can't always say that even with a guy like George Pickens, even though if, if you throw him, he might just catch it even if he's not open, but it Deontay Johnson is, it, I feel like more often than not is going to find the, the open space, um, 
for a guy like Pickett, it, it's going to make this a lot easier for him. I, I feel like he's going to be able to feel more comfortable sitting back there, knowing that if his first read isn't there, if it's not Deontay, he can just go to him. He doesn't have to dump it off to the running back because more often than not, he's going to be open. So I think that not only does it do great things for Pickens, because it's, it's kind of like on the defensive side of the ball, whenever like TJ's out, it hurts eight, or it hurts uh, Highsmith a little bit just because you don't have that focus on the other side. And so now that you're getting Deontay back, defenses are going to have to worry about that. And then the route running ability of him, it's going to open up things for Pickett. It's Eric Pickens, and he's going to make things easier for Pickett in this offense. I think it's Steeler fans don't really realize too much, or they don't want to give enough credit to Deontay, Deontay Johnson about how good he is, um, especially whenever he's, paired with another receiver like George Pickens. Like I feel like people will look at the flashiness of George Pickens and just undervalue what Deontay Johnson brings a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, you know, we said this probably could be the year that the torch gets passed where George Pickens is their number one wide receiver, especially with the connection that he seems to have with Kenny Pickett. But going into the season, we said Deontay Johnson until proven otherwise, but still this team's number one wide receiver. He still probably could lead them on a target per game basis. I don't know if he'll lead them at the end of the year based off the time that he missed in total targets, but per game, he still might. Um, and even so like, okay, if George Pickens is the number one, who cares? Like Deontay Johnson is still very much valuable to this offense. The last thing I want to bring up on the offensive side of the football before we switch gears, Roger Jones making his first start. I don't know how you felt. Again, you didn't get to watch the full thing. Just watching the condensed game. Super impressed. I thought he was awesome. And I'm pleasantly surprised by that as well. Like, not like I thought he was going to be like absolutely atrocious, but we've talked about, we thought he was going to have, you know, some growing pains and take his lumps at this level. I didn't see it. You know, Jadavian Clowney is a veteran who's having actually one of his better years in terms of a pass rusher. He's always been a really good run defender, but maybe hasn't lived up to that pass rush upside. But he's been good for the Ravens this year. And Broderick Jones was was dominant in that matchup. So I'm I'm very pleased with what I saw. I am too. I, I think that that uh gives you a little bit more uh, of a secure feeling about not only just the pick in general, but like where he is as a player. I and don't get us wrong. Like if we can go back, we'd still start Dan Moore Jr. If if Dan Moore Jr. had won the job out of camp again, we'd still start him again. It's not it's not like a quarterback situation for what we like we had last year where uh, where we were questioning it. Like I feel like it was still the smart decision that you didn't need to start Project, but the fact that he's showing the way he is this early, he's not really showing like he's out of place or or seems lost in some of the protections. Um, he's holding his own and against some good players too, like you were just saying against Clowney. Um, that's that's something that's really important for the Steelers, not just because of how how it's important for the offense, but just the, that's your number one pick. Like that, that's your first round pick. Yeah. You want him to do good, uh, mm-hmm. and that's the highest lineman they've picked in a really long time. So the fact that he's able to to perform well on Sunday, that just speaks volumes to what they thought of him in the draft and, and what kind of player he is. So it's 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 a good thing. The Rams don't have an edge rusher that I know is going to be like a great test, but that Jaguars the following week, Josh Allen's a heck of a player. And you yep. got, you know, Trayvon Walker, who they spent the number one pick on. I don't know if they should have done that, but they did. Um, so I, I think there's going to be uh, Titans have Harold Landry and some other guys along that D line. So, There'll be some tougher tests. You know, I think that this was the plan, though, and I want to bring that up real quick, and it will transition to the defensive side because there's two guys within this. But um, Alan and I talked about this because we actually got a really good comment from one of our viewers uh, from YouTube. Uh, Colton S412 was his name, and he was basically saying, I know that Steelers fans have been clamoring for for Broderick, for Joey, for Keanu Benton, those guys to you know be starters, get more playing time, whatever it might be, depending on obviously varying levels there for those three guys. But is there something to be said about the way the Steelers have brought them along slowly? And is that why they are getting the most out of them right now is because of the slow development and willing to wait on these guys to be brought along? And I thought that was a really interesting and good point because who knows what happens if we throw to these guys, all these guys to the fire in week one. You know, if Broderick really struggles in week one and going against that crazy San Francisco front, or if, you know, Joey gets torched in week one at a position like cornerback where it's like a very mentally challenging position, you know, and like I'm not saying Joey's mentally weak. I think the opposite, honestly. I think that he's got some of that dog in him to be able to bounce back. But 
I think bringing them along the way they have has set them up nicely, like coming off this game, especially against the Ravens, where Broderick had a great game. Joey had a great game. Keanu had a great game. And then you get the bye week to like really reflect on that game that you had. I think there's something to be said about the way the Steelers have brought those guys along this way. I think so too. Uh, we mentioned in in football, like kicking, and it, there's other positions in other sports that like are so like mental. But really, all positions are mental. Like there's still a mental side that you have to have in order to perform, to perform well. So the fact that they were able to hold those guys out and and get them to a good place where they felt like they could bring them in and they they performed well. That helps them mentally, which is going to help them moving forward. Like if you, like you were saying, like if you bring in Broderick Jones, Joey Porter Jr. in Week One, and they just get absolutely torched. I mean, just looking at the corner position, we saw what a guy, and whether whether you think he was a, he should have been drafted there or not, but like Artie Burns, for example, we saw what mm-hmm. like the confidence issues had for him. He, I mean, he was he was basically a a shell of a corner out there at, towards the end of his Steelers tenure, and a lot of that I feel like just because. He was drafted way too early than he was supposed to because the Steelers panicked at that that pick, and um, he he just had a lot of pressure on him and mentally that that messed him up as a corner. So you see what it can do to guys in those positions. The fact that they're able to to hold them out the way they do, and when they do come in, they perform well. That just gives you a lot of mental confidence moving forward. Like, hey, I you know I am that guy. Like, I I I can do well in this league, and and they're not mm-hmm. thinking like. I, I shouldn't be here or, or I'm, I'm just not going to be able to get it. Like no matter what the position, if you have those thoughts or even if they, they still believe that they are a good player and people believe they're a good player. If you have any of those thoughts in your head, then that's going to hurt your game, uh, especially against better competition. So I, I think that that's a good thing for the Steelers that the way they handled it, because you don't need to rush these guys. You want them to be able to perform to the best of their abilities when they do get their chance. You don't want to rush things. Like like I was just saying, like I, if I could go back, Dan Moore Jr. would still start the season at left tackle for me. I'm not going to say I would have started Broderick Jones from week one just based off of one performance he had in week five. I, I, I still think that it's yeah. a good thing that he got to that point. But the fact that he is now in at week five because of an injury to Dan Moore Jr. and what we saw from him, that makes us confident that he can do it moving forward and we don't have to just revert back to Dan Moore Jr. as soon as he comes back healthy. So I think it's a smart thing that the Steelers did that. I think it's a good thing for the players themselves and their mental state moving forward. Yeah, and you know, you can't have we couldn't have predicted a Dan Moore Jr. injury. I don't think that we expected Levi and Patrick Peterson to play the way that they have, which has put, you know, I, they pro- people probably would have been clamoring for Joey Porter Jr. to play early regardless. I mean, you spend pick 32 on him. But I think the play of and those two has really elevated. Yeah, the play of those two has really elevated the desire to see him um, put into a, a higher position on the depth chart. And then with Keanu Benton, I mean, had to. Like, Cam Hayward's injury has kind of thrusted him into a more prominent spot, too. So, um, but yeah, the return, the early returns on those guys have all been great. I really want to talk about Joey Porter Jr. Though, um, it's funny. I'm saying like I, I enjoy the way that they've brought him along to this point, but I do think it is time to hand him the keys. Um, I just I don't think that the performance from the other guys has been good enough to keep him off the field. I think that he's shown that he's capable of handling the job in front of him. A lot of we've talked about this before too. A lot of what you do as a Pittsburgh Steeler is going to be defined by what you do in the division and when you do specifically in this Ravens matchup. And for him to already have that moment of an interception of Lamar Jackson on third down in the end zone when the Ravens could have basically put this game away um, is, is a great start for him to his Pittsburgh Steelers career. I understand, you know, it's going to be an interesting conundrum for the defense because Levi and Pat are more zone corners, like especially Pat, like Pat can't play man at this point in his career. And Joey's, you know, a man heavy, like he's a press man. He wants to get his hands on you with the line of scrimmage, be physical. That's what he excels at. So it's going to be interesting to see how they balance that. Like, are they going to play zone on one half of the field and man on the other half of the field? I, it's going to be interesting to see. I just don't think that there's a better option. I think Joey Porter Jr. has shown uh, through his playing time to this point, really taking another step in this Ravens game, that he is their best option at corner, despite him only getting what is it, how many snaps he's played less than 100 snaps, he's played like 86 snaps or something like that. But I think it's pretty clear that he is their number one corner. I think he is too. And um, I, I think that going back to what we I was just saying, like it's 
I think it's a good thing that you didn't put that pressure on him early because not only, and I, I just mentioned it while you were talking too, not only is he like the 32nd overall pick, but like he has that, that legacy name with Joey Porter yeah. Jr. with the Steelers. There's a lot of expectations that, that will come with that. So I think it's, while it's still a smart thing, what they did, I think I agree with you. It is time to, to let the training wheels off and give him the keys. I think that um, he is their number one corner. He's shown that, especially in this game and the, in making those big moments. And according to snaps, let's see, snap count, um, he has 86 snaps. Yep. He's allowed a 0.0 passer rating. Yeah, so I, I, I think that it, it's it's a smart thing to do. You've seen the play from, from Levi Wallace to Patrick Peterson. It's less than what you were hoping you would be getting. So... I think that you need to see more of Joey Porter Jr. If you, especially if you want to continue to have your defense carry your your team in general, uh, you, you yeah. have to have to put the best guys out there. Otherwise, that's that's going to be setting you up for failure. It just not even from a defensive standpoint, but just from an overall team standpoint, based off how we've seen the Steelers are going to be winning these games. And with Keanu Benton, man, I feel like that's a pick that we're going to be talking about for a long time. I think if the season ended right now. Obviously, we're only five games into it. He's their rookie of the year. I know that it's, you know, the snaps we could go through and stuff like that. And But from game one to where we are now, I feel like he's been their most consistent. I think he's been an asset the entire time. Not to Joey or Broderick's fault necessarily, but those two haven't been on the field, you know, start to this point like uh, Keanu Benton has. So I just think he's been a force in the middle of that defensive line. I think we're just scratching the surface of what he can be as a pass rusher as well. He's got that really nice club swim move, but I think he's still adding to that. And I, I think that like once Cam Hayward comes back, man, that's going to be, that front is going to be so much better even than they are right now. Like I'm, I'm really excited about the development of, of Keanu Benton. I am too. And I think when you look back to, the, the Steelers draft this season, we talk about how good it was on paper overall. You're going to be looking back and, and potentially having Keanu Benton is turning out to be what is the best pick in this draft for the Steelers. I think the return on it early is leading towards that. I mean, just the impact that he's had um, on this defensive line. We knew that the, he w- we were getting a good player, but I don't think that we necessarily thought we would get this, this much of a, this player this early, like how good he's been this early on. So the fact that they're able to get that, um, this is just another piece on that defensive front that is going to be here for years to come. And I, I, I think that when you look at this 2023 draft overall, while he's he's going to be definitely one of the best picks, I think he's going to be the best pick for years to come because of what he's had done early on and then what he can do into the future. And I mean, with Cam, eventually he's going to be, be stepping away from the game eventually. And Keanu Benton could fill in that the, the role of being that leading guy on the inside on that defense. Yeah. I don't even want to think about that, but let's talk about uh, this edge rush duo. I mean, I don't think that we can spend enough time talking about them um, making plays again that seal this win. TJ Watt, two sacks in this game, up to eight on the seat, eight on the season through five it's games. Fun. Yeah. Um, and Alex Highsmith, who actually had a sack taken away by a Major Fitzpatrick defensive holding, got a strip sack later in the game that iced it with TJ getting or I guess no, it didn't ice it because that we had to kick a field goal because of a a flag that we took when Kenny was kneeling. So it left 40 seconds. So we had to kick a field goal, give him the ball back. Then TJ gets his second sack of the game on that drive on fourth down to ice it. So I guess it didn't necessarily ice it, but it put it pretty well in hands. Um, those two, man, I mean, again, we could say this every week, but pretty clear to me that they are the league's best edge rushing duo. I mean, to play on the opposite side of TJ Watt and, you know, it can be a tough thing because you can get overlooked a lot. I feel like that's not the case with Alex Highsmith. I mean, you see, and of course you're talking about, we're talking about TJ's brother. So obviously he pays a a little bit more attention. He's probably going to always talk about Alex in a better light than, than most, but he was talking about him today on Pat McAfee's show. And he was like, yeah, I think that he deserves a ton of credit for what TJ is able to do on the other side, because, you know, you can't give TJ all the attention when you have a guy like Alex Highsmith on the other side. I mean, he's, he's putting himself, in that conversation as a top 10 edge rusher himself, even while playing on the other side of TJ Watt, which is, 
just fantastic. It's amazing that they got both those guys. And that's why you pay two edge rushers. That's why you got to be okay with shelling out that money because you're talking about impact players. Forget the position that he plays. You're talking about impact players on the defensive side of the football, which is clearly, clearly what the Steelers have prioritized is that side of the football. Not only that side of the football, they prioritize the way that their defense is running, getting to the quarterback. So those yeah. two those two positions are going to be the premium. The Steelers are lucky that they paid him when they did because based off this season, it, the, the price tag definitely would have been going up. So – yeah, like twenty. He probably could have gotten like twenty three or twenty four mil a season if he wanted. Yeah, yeah. yeah the I way mean, the contracts are being handed out now, I don't. I don't yeah. think that's out of the realm of possibility. But like you said, the way that even JJ recognizes what a guy like Alex Highsmith does for for TJ Watt, I, I think that even though people recognize how good Highsmith is, they still are going to under underappreciate him because. He's paired with TJ, but when you look at the, it, it's kind of like Batman and Robin, just the, just a dynamic duo, and one needs the other. Not that okay, maybe that's an exaggeration. Comic book fans might not like that, but still, you, <laughs> you understand my point. Like TJ is not going to be the same without Highsmith. Highsmith is not going to be the same without TJ. But the fact that you have them together, and when they're both healthy, it's an incredible duo, and that's basically how the Steelers are built to win. And we've talked about that. I talked about that in in my my keys to the game. Like the Steelers are built to take get turnovers, and that's what they've done in this game. That's what they've done all season, especially with those two. And so the Steelers are built to get to that quarterback and cause the chaos to be able to cause those turnovers. Um, the the defense is going to be able to be led by those two. And if as long as those two are at the front of the train, pulling everything else along, the Steelers are going to be in a good position. Hopefully. The caboose of the offense starts to head head a little more more north, but you know I, I I feel comfortable at least right now with what the defense is doing, starting with those two. I mean they they've been incredible. The the fact that we have both of them is just insane. And Alex Highsmith, not bad for a walk on on Charlotte. Absolutely not on the show two times by the way. So shout out to some around the four one two alumni showing out in the league and showing that he very much deserved that payday. Uh, defense ha- has been good now, really good, for three out of the five weeks. Obviously, like The San Fran game, week one, I can really understand. That Houston game is just really hard to even figure out what went wrong for them defensively. Yeah. I mean, I-, I just, again, I just go back to what a game plan that Bobby Slowick had to have in place there for C.J. Stroud with that offensive line that was in place. But not to continue harping on the past, my only point of getting to that was to say that the special teams – to me, hasn't had that type of drop-off like that. Like, they've been a consistently good group. Gunner fumble in this game aside, they've been a good group, um, basically from the onset of the season. A big part of that, Miles Killebrew, who is, in my opinion, which in this case is very biased, I would admit that. I try to be unbiased, but in this case, very biased because we're talking about a special teams player, is the best special teams player in the NFL. Um, For a guy to be able to just stick on a roster like you know that his position is safe and he doesn't play any defensive snaps like he plays like one a game maybe when they're in the red zone or something like that that just goes to show you how good he is at special teams I mean he is a junkie for special teams it's basically the TJ Watt of that unit like that's all he watches they said he's like a sicko when it comes to perfecting his craft in terms of blocking punts which shows because the Steelers have blocked 20 punts as a franchise He's blocked three of those, and they've happened in the last three seasons. Ridiculous. Miles Killebrew is the best special teams player, maybe in Steelers franchise history, but certainly in the NFL right now. It's hard to argue, for sure. And the fact that you have a player, like you just said, where he can show up to training camp and he's not sweating. There's nobody There's nobody coming, creeping down his back that they're going to take his position because of the value that he adds. I mean, having that block punt, it did so much for the Steelers in this game in terms of, like, turning around some of the momentum because otherwise it it was, it was dead. I mean, I'm sure you were at the game, so I'm sure you could feel it in the, in the stadium when that something like that happens. Not to cut you off, but I just want, so that happens. I feel like, okay, the Steelers are definitely going to win. Gunner fumbles. Oh, we're definitely going to lose. Joey Porter Jr. Gets the pick. Oh, we're winning. Like it was just back and forth for that last seven minutes. Also, can we talk about Gunner's fumble real quick? The way the ball just <laughs> flew out, it wasn't even just like on the it, 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 on the ground. It literally looked uh, like he just like tossed it in the air. 
Shout out to uh, Tyler Wise, Steelers Depot. He put this out there. Gunnar Oshesky has touched the ball a total of 28 times as a Steeler. He's fumbled four times. That I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> like, why? Wh- what? What does he bring to this team? Especially because you got Deontay Johnson coming back now. Like, it's not even like he he provides you know bottom of the depth chart wide receiver depth. Like, he and Anthony McFarland back as the returner. Like, there's no he serves no purpose on this roster at this point. He doesn't. He doesn't. Especially one out of seven times he touches the ball, he's going to fumble. He was an all pro in New England. Like, what in the world happened? Like, Danny Smith's a unit, like I just gave him credit for, has been good. But what in the world happened with Gunnar Oshesky? I don't know. He shouldn't have been. I mean, if we if it was you and I picking the roster, he wouldn't have been here in the first place this season. That's true. Yeah, because, again, maybe, like, the bottom of that wide receiver, like, all those guys were so similar to me, and he was the only one making, like, significant money. When I say significant, but, like, a couple million as opposed to... Yeah. One million or the minimum, yeah, he would have been a cut for me. It makes no sense. He shouldn't touch the ball. He shouldn't be returning anything. Kicks, punts, doesn't matter. I I don't think he has a place. Especially, it, it, Joey Porter Jr. saved him. Like, Joey Porter Jr. saved him. If he doesn't get that pick, then yeah. Steeler fans are going to be looking at this. I'm assuming that the, the Ravens either... Get, kick an extra or kick a field goal at the very least, and then if not, mm-hmm. score a touchdown. Gunnar Oshesky's probably looked at the, if this doesn't happen and Joey Porter Jr. doesn't get that pick is like he's the reason they lost the game, and yeah. that that's going to be the blaming of the Steeler fans. So yeah, he he has no purpose on this team. Even though him. even though the offense would have still sucked, yeah, that's what it would have been. That would have been the talking point was, was the fact that he fumbled in that moment. So yeah. Um, the last thing that I just kind of want to touch on is, again, with this being the bye week, this would be the week to see any changes. No, I'm not talking coaching changes. Is there anything looking at the roster right now that you think we could see? I think that we've kind of already started to see a transition. We've talked about Joey Porter Jr. We've talked about Roger Jones, very different reasons that those two are getting the playing time that they are. But is there anything when you look at the roster you think could we could see a change from the bye week to when we kick off against the Rams? Listen, I don't know if it's because – a lot of his run came in the second half where the defense is worn out, more worn out. And we are not like, I am not going to say he's going to be the starting running back, but do you, th- I think there's a chance we could see at least the snap counts get a little more even because Najee, Najee out carried uh, Jalen Warren in this game, despite having less mm-hmm. yardage. So yeah, I, I'm not saying Najee is not the number one back still, or if, they, if they're not, I think it might be closer to 50 50 now. I, yeah, I don't and know I think how much that is of like Jalen when he gets those carries, he's taking advantage of the opportunity against maybe a more worn out defense in the second half. I feel like Najee early on, he's getting the full like energized defense. Obviously, I feel like it's more likely that defenses are going to wear down as the game goes on. And so that that's going to, be easier for certain running backs. Granted, the running backs still have to hit the holes they still have to make the plays and all that sort of stuff. He still looked good, but I don't think I'm not giving up on Najee either. But I still think that you might still see a little bit more of Jalen Warren, even more than what we've already gotten going forward. I think that's the plan. Um, I think they want those two to be a pretty close to even timeshare, if not even then like 55 45. Um, but I, and I'm not saying that you're this way. I'm just talking in general for the fan base. Najee Harris, we talked about on here, was their only good offensive player in that blowout loss to the Texans. Nobody Absolutely. talked about it, whether it was because they got blown out and nobody cared or because it was Najee and not Jalen that was the one that had the better performance. People didn't talk about it. Jalen Warren actually fumbled, lost a fumble in that game too. Nobody really talked about it because it was already a blowout. In this game, Jalen Warren definitely looked like the more effective back, and that's the storyline for some reason. Now is him being the number one running back over Najee. Um, It just seems to be like one of those narratives that's already written for a lot of people, and that's what they're talking about. I think that they both have very defined things that they are better at than the other guy. And if you are asking Jalen to run the football 20-plus times between the tackles, I do not think that you're going to get the performance that a lot of people think they're going to get. If you're asking Najee to go and catch, 
you know, eight passes a game or something like that. I don't think you're going to get the performance that you think you might get. So I think they very clearly have roles for both of these guys. I think they should be on the field together a lot, especially when you look at like the depleted uh, receiver. And I know you're getting Deontay back, but like Calvin Austin outside of that one explosive play versus the Raiders, he hasn't really brought much. I know he got hurt on Sunday. Allen Robinson, I just think it's been a weird fit in the offense. He doesn't create separation. He can move the chains and he's good in the red zone. Well, this team basically has third and 11s every time it's third down and they don't get into the red zone. So hasn't been a great fit there. I think uh, to get back to the original point, though, Jalen Warren is is definitely the more explosive player. I think he's the guy I get the ball to in the receiving game. But if I'm looking for somebody to pound the rock and still run between the tackles, that's still Najee Harris for me. Yeah, I agree with that. I just think that if if I do see a change, I think that you're going to see more of an even split. And I think that's a lot of the criticism from the fan base um, of Najee, I feel like is is a little unwarranted just because of the circumstances, a lot of what he's running through too, or what, yeah. what he has run through in the, in the season. What I want is what I wanted to point out too was, and I brought this up to on today's afternoon drive was what I would like to see is some variance, like put Jalen Warren out there on first down to keep defenses honest. It doesn't just always have to be nausea, throw nausea out there on third down. I just mentioned, he's not going to catch like a ton of passes because Jalen's better at it, but like Najee caught 80 some passes as a rookie. Like he can do that, you know, Show the defense is different things. If you have Najee out there first and second down, second down and short, but it's Jalen if it's second down and longer and then third down, that's a pretty good tell in terms of what your offense is doing on that play. So switch that up a little bit. They're both capable of playing in those situations, and that's one thing that I would like to see changed offensively. I think that more of the changes I want to talk about are on the defensive side. So if you don't have anything else offensively that you were thinking about in terms of a change, we'll go there. Um we only saw Desmond King play one snap in this game. The Ravens scored a touchdown on it. This is right after they listed him as a co-starter with Shannon Sullivan, who was the worst of the Steelers secondary players in terms of, and I know people are going to say what they're going to say, but again, this is just one source. I'm not saying it's the NBL was their worst secondary player in terms of his PFF grade from Sunday's game. Um, there was obviously some miscommunication on that touchdown with Desmond King. Didn't seem like he was in the right spot and then didn't play again. To me, that's still probably the guy that you got to figure out a way to to have be a factor for this defense because I think he's your best rundown nickel. I think he gives you the most versatility in terms of a guy that can move inside or outside. I'm still not there and trusting Patrick Peterson due to his inability to tackle. Um, I don't know that he's going to be a good you know rundown slot. I just I don't know how that would be the case when you look at what he's done this year. Uh, in terms of missing tackles. So I think they got to find a way to get him wherever he needs to be up to speed within this. And then I'm not saying he needs to play every game. It probably should be specific. But how do you give Brayden Fajoko a helmet against the Ravens and not have him play a snap? Like, wh- wh- what was the point of that? <laughs> like, I, He didn't get on the field at all. So I'm looking at, at those two things. And then um, I think the thing that's probably they're in a good place with, and I'm happy about this, is the linebacking. Uh, rotation how those three guys are playing I think they're really starting to hit their stride there so there's probably not anything that I would change the only thing that I would like to see and I don't know how you do it because they're playing so well high Smith and Watt and I want it to be gradual but I'd like to see a little bit more of Herbig as well like I think that you got to start to get his feet a little bit more wet I don't know how you do it because those two both obviously need to be playing maybe show them some like three edge looks like we saw you know high Smith's rookie year or something like that but, uh, yeah, I'd like to see him get on the field a little bit more than he has. Especially from what we saw in the preseason, right? And, uh, obviously, preseason, that's like a scary word now because look at what the offense did in preseason. <laughs> it absolutely meant nothing. But yeah. from what we saw from Herbert in the preseason, there's a lot of good things that, that could come from him being on the field. So I agree with that one. Um, I also agree, agree with Desmond King. I think he needs to play more, um, especially now that he's basically fully cleared. He, he should just be the, the, their full-time guy at that position. I feel like you're not going to get anything for Chan and Sullivan. We knew that going into the season. You and I talked about Chan and Sullivan was like one of the worst players on the Vikings defense last year. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with both of those changes. I want to end this episode with just a little stat of the day. Okay. And stats guy Daniels on the hot seat right now. It is, it is so fun for me to look at this stat. I mentioned it in my keys, but it, uh, it's a little updated stat. 
in six games against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Lamar Jackson is two oh. and four. He's thrown seven interceptions, put the ball on the ground seven times, and lost four fumbles or three fumbles. Excuse me. I just love that. I I okay. So if you're he, in two of those games, though, hasn't he only thrown one pass? Like it's really like four games that he's played in, which makes the turnover part of that worse. Which makes that even worse. Yeah. I was like, I'm but, I'm just looking at his splits by team. Yeah, I want to say I, two of those games he's only thrown one pass. But what I will say about Lamar is, I thought, I thought he was good on Sunday. The receivers had seven drops, and he threw that the to, an untimely interception, which wasn't a good play. But like for the most part, I thought Lamar was pretty good in this game. Those guys just really let him down. I mean, honestly, the Ravens probably should have ran away with this game before the Steelers had a chance to win it. Well, I, I saw someone on TikTok talking about how. The, the the receivers lost this game for the Ravens, not Lamar. And <laughs> it was basically going through every yeah. every pass that should have been a catch. Yeah. But even with that, I still agree with the general point that for whatever reason it seems like they do like, limit him better than anybody else. And it's funny because like it's against the Steelers, so like that's with Lamar. And when they play Cleveland, Miles Garrett does nothing. And it's like certain 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 guys that are good. In the general, so it's got to be Tomlin, right? I, I mean, <laughs> because it's not even just Terrell, like it was when Butler was here, too. Like, we've been through a couple different defensive coordinators that have gone against him, too. So they just know how to limit those guys, yeah. But that's I don't it. Know. I just wanted to point out that Lamar's stats against the Steelers are horrible. Not good. And what's, what's funny is when you compare them to what they are against the, the Bengals and the Browns. Granted, he's played more against those two teams as well. He has he has more games played against them. But like mm-hmm. the yards he's thrown for, the his touchdown to interception ratio for those and putting the ball on the ground. I mean, he hasn't fumbled against the Bengals. Like he hasn't lost a fumble against the Bengals. His interceptions are only four and six with the Bengals and Browns, as opposed to seven with the Steelers in several less games. And then he's also thrown 12 touchdowns against the Bengals and 13 against the Browns. He's only thrown four against the Steelers. Wow. That's, and he doesn't like, he doesn't have rushing touchdowns against us either. I feel like. Mm-mm. Nope. And as far as rushing touchdowns go, can I even see those? Or is this just passing? I think it's just passing right now. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, well, no, rushing, rushing. Let me, let me just find it real quick. Rushing, he has six rushing touchdowns against the Browns and two rushing touchdowns against the Bengals, not against us. Yeah, I mean, that's clearly they have something on him more so than just like the offense itself because their offense has changed too. You know, it was Dre Roman, now it's Todd Monken. So there's been changes on both sides, but it, that hasn't changed. So Steelers are the only fan base that can call him a court, or call him a running back. <laughs> Lamar B, yeah. <laughs> Um. All right. Anything else before we get out of here? Nope. That's it. It's gonna be. I I just, I just had BYU's bye week. Now I'm going to the Steelers bye week. Mm, it it yeah. it's it sucks, but also at the same time, it's kind of no nice stretch. to be able to watch football and not have to worry about a thing. Yeah, we got another uh, international game, right? Or no? Is this a week off of international? No, we do. We do. We have uh, we have Ravens. Ravens and Titans are in London. Oh, they're in London. There's the two Germany Germany, games. Yeah, Yeah, week 10 and 11 are both. There's two games in Germany. One of them is Dolphins and Chiefs, which is going to be awesome for those fans. That's a good game. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, wake up early and watch Titans-Ravens, I guess. We don't have to give predictions on this one. We were both wrong. We both picked the Ravens. So We were both wrong. Happy to be wrong. Happy to be wrong. Um, Also, just prefacing, no Pirates show this week, but you can go and watch the Penguins show, which will be out, uh, depending if you're watching this right away, tomorrow. Um, but go watch that. Uh, or tonight if you're an absolute video. Junkie. Yeah. Um, so go do that. In the description of the show, you'll see year six of Rock Around the 412 has kicked off probably two months or so that we're going to be running that from now. Uh, it's year six. We raised over $25,000 in the first five years of doing so. Every single penny that is donated goes to providing Christmas in its entirety to as many children as we can in our local areas. And also helping out. We partnered last year with the East Rochester Salvation Army for their angel tree that they do at Christmas time in the name of our late friend Dalton. And we're going to continue to do that. Like I said, Kaylee was working on a flyer. Hopefully I can show you guys that 
next week. Um, her and her daughter Isla are going to be part of the mission going forward, and I'm so excited about that and to have them involved with the process. Uh, she just like even just from last year to where she is now knows so much more. She's excited to actually go shopping with us and help pick stuff out for kids. So, um, yeah, very excited for her to be part of this process. Um, and then our friend Haley Wagner, Everything Custom Designs, the Etsy and Facebook links are in the description. Trick or treat right around the corner. Hurry up and get those trick or treat bag orders in for custom ones through Haley. You got like 20 days until Halloween. So I don't know. And trick or treat might be before that, depending on what area you're in. So hurry up and get those orders in. Make sure she can get you a bag, get you an apron for Thanksgiving, shirts, hoodies all the time. Want a hat? Too bad because that's not going to be through Haley and everything custom designs. So you have to find somebody else. That's not Liz, though. Not lids either, which the lids in our mall turned into a uh, a, a little casino. Something's wild. there. Yeah, it's wild. It's a little casino. I guess they had to do something to bring in money. To that mall. <laughs> it's actually it's actually pretty cool looking, but it's yeah, there's like four slot machines like on each side. Machines? Yeah. So you mm -hmm. just get some. And absolute... then there's like a little there's like a little lounge area with like a couch and seating and a TV. Man. I wonder if your dad's. Uh, I wonder if that's gonna he be your dad's new spot. He took his mom to go check it out, and uh, she she won like four hundred dollars. So well, there you go. Yeah, they might be going there. Anyways, thank you for tuning in to another around the four one two Steelers show for Smitty for Tyler. Go check out another video popping up on the screen right now, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye.